Good morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God and welcome to the Fellowship Hall. You know, if you are listening online, it, it might uh, have sounded pretty similar. Uh, but if you are watching online, if you're watching on Facebook, you're watching on YouTube, uh, worship looked a little different. Here the message looks a little different. We gave the whole backstory uh, to the, the church that is here worshiping live. But just to sum it up for you, we we're having repairs done to our sanctuary, a whole lot more extensive than we thought. And so uh, work is still going on in their sanctuary. Uh, everything is going to be scraped. Everything is going to be repaired, primed, and painted on our ceiling. Uh, but we are having service right here in the fellowship hall. So a little bit closer quarters, a little bit lower ceiling, a little bit, little bit uh, closer, but probably a one Sunday thing. We're trusting everything is going to be fixed and ready for next Sunday. But uh, we welcome you back to the study. It's entitled Easter People. And uh, the quote I shared last time together says, we do not live to celebrate this victory once a year. We are Easter people. Listen, the, the power behind Easter, it's not just a once a year, Easter Sunday type of thing. It, it's the, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ year round. And the quote says, every single day is victory again. And so that's a little bit of what we're thinking is certainly we're going to be looking and exploring uh, some of the characters, some of the biblical individuals from the Easter story leading up to and even beyond Easter, looking at some principles. Uh, but we are Easter people. These are people who have interacted with Jesus. So our first time together, we looked at Nicodemus and he was mentioned just in the Gospel of John, only in three passages of John. And what he shared with us is that Jesus welcomes our journey. Wherever we, we might be in our journey with Christ, he went from, as we looked at, a silent seeker to a verbal defender to a bold follower. We can be on that journey with Jesus. Today, though, we're going to jump to another biblical figure by the name of Pilate. And today we're going to explore the dilemma that he was wrestling with. Learn to choose Jesus above anything. Choose Jesus over anything. Matthew chapter 27, verse 1 and 2. Now, I'm going I'm to test uh, your, your fingers and thumbs out. If you've got the Word of God with you, we'll test that out. In fact, if you've got your digital copy on your cell phone or a tablet, uh, we'll, we'll see how fast you can swipe. We're going to be exploring all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today. So uh, throughout our time together, first week, Start in Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. It says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Pilate, a Sunday school teacher, was asking students to draw a picture of Jesus' family. After collecting all of the drawings, she noticed one little boy's drawing was rather unique. It depicted an airline with four heads sticking out of the windows. And so she looks at that and she says, well, I see that you drew three heads. It looks like it shows Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus, she said to the little boy. But who does this fourth head belong to? The boy replied, oh, that's Pontius. He's the pilot. Pontius Pilate. We, we need the drum set here for the rim shot. There we go. So I invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. We can take a look at Pilate, some of the dilemmas, some of the challenges that he had to face as he went through this 
interaction with Jesus. And again, the, the main theme is we are to choose Jesus over anything. How do we do that? First of all, I believe we must seek the truth. So we're going to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 18, a somewhat lengthy portion of Scripture here to kind of set the tone for where we are in this portion of the Word of God. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 28, it says, Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So again, Jesus had already spent time, this last supper, this final time with his disciples. He'd gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He prayed. He was arrested. He was brought. And now, as they bring him to Caiaphas, eventually, uh, uh, in verse 29, Pilate came out and said, What charges are you bringing against this man? Verse 30, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Doesn't that sound like a nice little retort? I mean, you ask somebody a question, and like, well, well, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have done this. I mean, they had a little bit of an edge. They're saying, well, if there was not a criminal, we would not have brought this man Jesus to you. Verse 30, Pilate said, take him yourselves. Judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. Imagine that. Here's these Jewish leaders, and they're bringing him to Pilate. They say, he's broken our law, but we want you to do away with him. We want you to get rid of him. Verse 32, this took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Verse 38, what is truth? Retorted Pilate. What is truth? You and I must seek the truth. Now, when I read this, uh, how many of you have kind of an active imagination when you read the Word of God? And you kind of, you, you vividly maybe play it out and, and kind of anticipate or illustrate what it might have been like. So, I don't know about you, but this is how my mind works when I read Pilate retorting, what is truth? I think back to the old movie, you might have heard about it or seen it back in the day. I think it was called A, a Few Good Men. It had a whole bunch of movie stars in it. I think Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise and Demi Moore and Kevin Bacon, etc., etc. And, and it's the classic phrase, even if you've not heard or seen the movie, chances are you've heard the quote somebody's used it, somebody's quoted it, somebody's referenced it. You might not have known what it was from, but it simply goes like this. It's, it's this exchange between these two characters. And one person yells and almost screams and says, you want answers? And they reply back, I want the truth. And the famous popular movie line in response says, you can't handle the truth. 
So that's in my mind. Okay, maybe it's not Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise that's here uh, in this place with Pilate and Jesus, but I get a little bit of that kind of back and forth, Jesus and Pilate, and Pilate is saying, what is truth? You and I are needing to seek truth, but sometimes we can't handle the truth. You ever had somebody who maybe gives you this word, like, you know, be honest with me. Isn't that a loaded question? When someone says, be honest with me, how many of you honestly have struggled to figure out what you should say? Maybe it's a spouse. You know, asking about an outfit. Asking, what, do, you know, what about where do we want to go to eat? You're like, oh, just honest. Tell me, be honest. Your thought is, is this a trap? Do I, do I be really honest because what if I'm not so crazy about something? What if they're really wanting to hear that? Sometimes we struggle with being honest. Maybe it's spouses. Maybe dealing with kids. Maybe, maybe it's with a boss or a co-worker. And your boss says, hey, you know, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about this promotion? What do you think about this process? You know, be honest with me. And you're thinking, hmm, how honest should I be? Does my boss really want to hear my honest words? Or if I'm honest, is it really not going to be so good for me? Sometimes we struggle being honest. But we are to seek the truth. So this interaction, Pilate and Jesus are going back and forth, and Pilate's wondering, he's saying, what is truth? I want to challenge us to seek truth the truth, not just some form of truth. Now, if you are an Ohio State fan, you know that in front of the university is that big little word called the, the Ohio State University. In a similar way, I want us to seek the truth, not just some form of truth. You see, when Jesus mentioned about truth, he says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. To everyone here, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus has said, even in John chapter 14, verse 6, what did he say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not saying, go seek out, go search something that happens to be true. We can find a lot of things that are somewhat true. We are to seek Jesus as the truth. Now for some, maybe that means we, we struggle with or we wrestle with or like Pilate, maybe having some of these conversations or like Nicodemus last time, wrestling through in this journey, what is truth and who is Jesus and, and what about that? He is the truth. Pilate had the opportunity of a lifetime. He had the truth right in front of him. And yet he, in a sense, he's arguing, debating, discussing, but he's really struggling with coming to grip and coming to terms with truth. Jesus Christ. Not just for Easter, not just in, in these weeks as we lead up to Easter, but each and every day, each and every week, you and I are to seek the truth, seek out Jesus, and choose him over 
anything. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of true things. But only Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. Seek the truth. Choose Jesus over anything. Second, let me encourage us to listen to the right voice. Luke chapter 23, as we head to that gospel, Luke 23, beginning in verse 13, it says, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Now, many of the versions or translations perhaps will skip from verse 16 to 18. Some of them would include verse 17, which reads like this. He was obligated to release one man to them at the feast. So some versions would say that. In other Gospels, it would talk about the custom or the habit of typically releasing a customer during the feast. Verse 18, it says, But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Verse 19 explains who Barabbas was. It says, Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Stop right there. This is the one that they want released in place of Jesus. Now, maybe you hear the word, you know, an insurrection. That's basically an uprising or a rebellion. Okay, so some guy was leading a rebellion. Let him go. Oh, he did what? Murder? He took somebody's life. It wasn't just about an uprising. This is the man that the whole crowd shouts to release instead of Jesus. So Pilate, again, he's wrestling back and forth. You've got the chief priests, the rulers, the people. The whole crowd in verse 18 is shouting. Verse 20, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. He's wrestling with this issue. They shout to crucify him and he's saying, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so. I don't want to. Verse 23, but with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. Their shouts. So the question and the challenge for you and I today is who are we listening to? The challenge is to listen to the right voice. There's a, a lot of voices that are out there, but we must listen to the right voice to receive the right advice. Pilate heard a whole lot of voices in his ear. He's got chief priests. He's got rulers of the people. He's got the entire crowd, and they're all shouting one thing. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. How many of you know, sometimes it can be a challenge to try to tune in to the right voice. We've got a lot of voices that are vying for our attention. 
There's a lot of things out there. They want you to listen. They want you to listen. They want you to listen to them. Maybe they're not shouting. In some cases, people are shouting. Everything from our politics to our jobs, our finances, our family, our friends, culture, media, celebrities. Everybody's got a voice. And they're using their voice so that you listen and do what they say. The question is, who are we listening to? For Pilate, he struggled to, to listen to that right voice. Who's got our ear? How many of you, you've got maybe a go-to person? Maybe, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it's that, that co-worker or a boss. Somebody that you know. Somebody that you trust. Somebody that always gives some good, solid wisdom. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Hopefully, there's somebody like that. But above even that person, it ought to be Jesus Christ. Christ himself. Here, Pilate has been interacting with Jesus, struggling to seek after the truth, and now his, his ears are listening to the voices of those around him. Too many times we listen to the voice of the person who tells us what we want to hear. You ever done that before? So, you know, you want to make a decision, whatever it is. Buying a home, buying a car, buying an outfit, buying a cell phone, you know, making this choice, taking this job, going to this school, whatever the, the choice might be. And there's options in front of you, right? There's a whole host of homes or cars or colleges or jobs. And very often, we tend to make the decision ourselves, lean a certain way, and then how many of you, if, you, if you're being honest, you would say you seek somebody out who you think is going to agree with you. They're sympathetic towards you. And so, you know, you kind of come up to them and say, well, what do you think? And, and you give, you know, options A, B, and C, one, two, and three, and, and maybe a little extra emphasis on the one that you're hoping to. And wonder of wonders, they tell you what you want to hear. So what do we do? They go around and say, well, you know, I talked to a bunch of people about it and they all said, I ought to do this. Which really means I talked to the one person who I knew would tell me what I wanted to hear. They told me what I wanted to hear and so I'm going to do it. You've never done that. <clears throat> Chances are we have. See, with Pilate, he's struggling. He's got all these voices in his ear. You and I have got all kinds of voices in media and culture and society in our ears. And sometimes we're struggling with what do we do? How do we live? What choices do we make? And we're turning to somebody who tells us what we want to hear. Rather than seeking out the truth, seeking out Jesus Christ and what the Word of God says. We don't make decisions based on personal preference. Well, I want to do this. It feels good to me to do this. So let me ask somebody, what do you think? And they say, sure. If it feels good, if it's your truth. You've heard that. Well, it's true for you, but maybe not true for me. You know, it's live your truth. Which basically means do anything you want and have no standards whatsoever. What is truth? Truth is found right here in the Word of God. Seek the truth. Seek Him. Seek His Word. And listen 
to the right voice. If we're not careful, sometimes our culture and our society can be a culture of yes men and yes women. You know, sometimes as a boss, a boss, if you've been in that in, in the workforce, a boss rallying the troops, hey, what do you think about this new perspective? Whatever you say, boss. Sometimes that boss is looking for the employees to say, hey, what do you think about this? Teacher and students, family members. Don't seek out the answer that you want. Seek out the answer that you need. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from His Word. It's going to come through His Son, Jesus Christ. So Pilate is wrestling. He's struggling. He's overseeing what, what this tends to be this trial of sorts. Jesus Christ brought to him by the religious leaders. He's wrestling with truth. And now in the midst of trying to seek out truth, everybody's in his ears. Everybody's shouting out what he should do. Away with him. Release Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Jesus is right in front of him. He's had conversations with him. And rather than listening to Jesus, rather than seeking out the truth himself, he's being swayed now by all of these voices. The challenge is seek the truth and listen to the right voice. Thirdly, aim to please God. Aim to please God. When we get to that point and we're listening to the voices, what's the reasoning? Why are we doing some of these things? What's the goal? What's the aim? What's the purpose? Well, for Pilate, part of the, the wrestling, part of this big discussion, part of this challenge for him is, who do I please? Obviously, he's got the crowd shouting into his ears. Mark chapter 15, verse 15, it says this, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. Who is he seeking to please? Who is he seeking to follow? Well, he wanted to satisfy or please the crowd. In John chapter 19, verses 12 to 15, we see part of him wanting to please the Jewish leaders or wanting to please Caesar. It says, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting. If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Payment, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests asked. So you've got the people, you've got the crowd who's chanting and shouting. You've got these Jewish leaders trying to say, hey, if you, if you don't put Jesus to death, I mean, you're no friend of Caesar. He's claiming to be a king. Caesar's the ruler. So, you know, you've got to listen to us, listen to the leaders and, and follow Caesar. Then how many of you remember that his wife enters the story as well. Take a look at Matthew chapter 27, 19 and 20. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. 
But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. How many of you know that God gives our spouses to us for help and to be a blessing? So his wife is speaking. She's saying, listen, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I had a dream and I don't think you ought to kill this guy. So now he's got the crowd. He's got the religious leaders. He's thinking about the leader as a whole, Caesar. Now he's got his wife in the mix. And then, oh yeah, add to it Pilate himself. Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, it says, When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. How many of you know many times we look out for number one? We look out for self. We, we make a lot of decisions that please us. But this is a pretty challenging, conflicting decision. What does he make? What does he do? Does he try to please himself and, and make a decision that benefits him? Does he try to please his wife? Hey, no, that's a pretty good decision, right? What about the people? I mean, there's a whole lot of them. What about the Jewish leaders? What about Caesar? Do I make a decision that makes him upset? So the Jews here, they're, they're wanting to fulfill punishment of their law, but they were going through Pilate to get it. Are you catching? Pilate's kind of between, what's that proverbial phrase? Between a rock and a hard place. If I choose this, if I choose to let Jesus go, he's saying, boy, I don't really want to do that. My wife says I probably shouldn't do that. So maybe that's going to benefit my wife. It's going to make me feel better. But then I'm going to have a whole lot of people mad at me. How many of you know we don't like people mad at us? Any people pleasers in the room? Got some people pleasing. You, you, know, you do things, say things, act a certain way to please others. So he, you know, he doesn't want to let these people down. He doesn't want all these people mad at him. He doesn't want all the Jewish religious leaders mad at him. He doesn't want big Caesar, big king, to, to be mad at him. So what does he do? What decision does he make? The Jewish leaders were needing to keep the Jewish people from rioting. But if he doesn't put Jesus to death, they're probably going to riot. It's going to not be very good. They'll report to Rome. His, his boss or his leader will say, you can't oversee things in your jurisdiction, so hey, he's probably going to be out of a job. How many of you make, sometimes you make decisions based on job security and not always based on God and his word? So he's struggling here. What do I do? Or do I make the decision to listen to my wife? Because I mean, what's the other phrase? If mama ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy. Happy wife, happy love. Oh, you know the phrase too. So I mean, sometimes we look at Pilate and we say, oh, how could Pilate do that? Obviously, all of this is fulfillment of Scripture from the, the beginning here. But are you, are you understanding a little bit of the dilemma of where he is? All of these decisions, all of these voices. So he's got the people, the Jewish leaders. He's got Caesar. He's got his wife and his own thoughts. What 
do I do? This decision is a big one with big consequences. Do I keep my job? Do I make my wife happy? Do I make the people happy? Do I keep from rioting? What do I do? Needless to say, what about this innocent man? Pilate says, I wash my hands. I don't think he's done anything wrong. I'm not sure why. Why are you bringing him to me? So he's trying to, almost in a way, pass the buck as he's deciding. But you and I, in our struggle and our challenges, let's do things that would please God. Yes, we, we want others to be happy. We do. Yes, we want to please family members. We do. Yes, we want to do things that hopefully are good for us. But if it doesn't line up with God in his word and it doesn't please God, is it truly the right thing? So we seek the truth, listen to the right voice, aim to please God. Finally, let me encourage us with this. We need to make a decision for Christ. Ultimately, Pilate did. Pilate made a decision. Unfortunately, it was not the one for Christ. Luke chapter 23, verse 24, it says, So Pilate decided to grant their demand. Mark 15, 15, again, we read it just a little bit ago. It says, Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. In the midst, he had Jesus right in front of him. The truth was right in front of him. He was seeking all of the, you know, all of these voices were, were speaking to him. But he made the decision not to save Jesus Christ. Now, certainly what he tried to do, first of all, he tried to avoid some things. You ever tried to avoid making a decision? You know, I, I got to choose A or B. I got to choose one or two. I got to choose this place or that place. And, and you just, you don't want to, or it's difficult. Or, you know, if I choose, if I choose A, then some people are going to be mad at me. And if I choose B, some other people are going to be mad at me. I don't want anybody mad. So I just won't pick. That ever been you? You delay, you pause, you say, I I'm just going to try to avoid making a decision. How many of you know that when you avoid making a decision, it still doesn't make it go away? I mean, you know, you try to bury your head in the sand, problem's still there. So he was trying to avoid it. He kept kind of passing Jesus around and, and discussing and asking, what about this, what about that, trying to avoid making a decision. Listen, if you and I don't make a decision when it comes to Christ, we've made a decision. Delaying our decision is making a decision. We say, well, maybe later on I'll surrender my heart and my life to Jesus. I'm not, let, let, me, let me hear a little bit more. Let me get a little bit more information. Let me live a little bit more life. And then maybe I'll, I'll turn to Jesus. Avoiding making that decision, delaying making that decision for Christ, it's a decision we've chosen not to. Now what else did Pilate do? He tried to compromise Hey, hey guys, I got a great idea. Typically, I would release one prisoner to you. I got a great one. Let's just release Jesus. Hey, he's arrested. Now I release him. Everybody's happy. He's trying to, trying to compromise. They weren't having it. They said, no, we like that. We just want Barabbas instead. Listen, when we try to compromise... What we're saying is we're choosing to try to serve more than one. 
Well, I want to live for God over here, but I kind of want to do my own thing over here. I want to do what I want to do. I want to serve God. I want to honor Him. I want to obey Him. But I want to do some choices in my own life that feel good or that I can connect with other people about. So we got one foot in the world, one foot here for Jesus. We're, we're trying to compromise. It does not work. William Henson tells us why animal trainers carry a stool when they go into a stage of, uh, of lions. I would not go into a cage of lions with two chairs, two stools. But apparently, you know, they have whips and many times they've got a pistol at their disposal. But invariably, you've seen them carry this stool when they go into a, a cage. Henson says it's the most important tool of the trainer. He holds the stool by the back and thrusts the legs towards the face of the wild animal. Those who know maintain that the animal tries to focus on all four legs at once. In the attempt to focus on all four legs at once, a kind of paralysis overwhelms the animal and it becomes tame, weak, and disabled because its attention is fragmented. I would submit that that's often our life when we try to focus on or please more than one at a time. When we try to live for Jesus and others and ourselves and the world, what happens? We become tame, weak, and disabled because our attention is fragmented. Jesus says you... You can't serve both God and money, and that, that goes for other things. You, you can't live for God and for these other things over here. Our focus, our attention, our, our, our heart has got to be given to Christ. Make a decision for Him. Don't just have some good intentions. We can have good intentions. Man, I love God. I love Jesus. I do too. But make a decision to serve and to follow Him. When you and I encounter Jesus, Nicodemus encountered Jesus, Pilate encountered Jesus, when we encounter Jesus, it requires a response. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a decision. And you say, well, maybe later. Making the decision to wait means you've made a no decision. You said no. I encourage us, I encourage you to make a decision for Christ. Some might Talk about it this way. Author and pastor Kyle Eidelman talks about being a fan or a follower. There's a lot of people who are fans of Jesus Christ. Just like we're fans of our favorite sports teams. If you're a, a fan of you know, an Ohio sports team, the Cleveland Browns, you want to talk about being conflicted, uh, this week gave you some conflicting news. Ask a Browns fan. But you can be a fan of your team, but that doesn't mean you get in the game. There's a whole lot of people who are fans of Jesus Christ. They're fans of God. They like the things of Him, but they really don't want to follow Him. They're interested in church. They're interested in some things about God. See, a fan is a fan for the reason that they don't get in the game. They don't play. They're not on the court playing basketball. They're not on the football or baseball field. Here's what Kyle Eidelman writes. He says, a fan is an enthusiastic admirer, but Jesus is never interested in just enthusiastic admirers. He wants completely committed followers. 
He wants more than just a raised hand or a prayer repeated. He is looking for more than a prayer before a meal, more than just a Jesus fish on the back of a car. He wants more than fans. He wants followers who take up a cross and die to themselves. In other words, he wants us to make a decision to live for, to wholeheartedly serve and follow Jesus. And so Pilate was wrestling, and he made the decision not to. He listened to the crowd. He listened to all that was shared. You and I, we're confronted with this dilemma. Whether you're right here in person, whether you're watching or listening online, the question is, what will you do with Jesus? What decision will we make? Here's the truth. You've got to decide. Nobody else can make it for you. It's that personal decision. You've got parents and grandparents that love God and that serve God, and that's awesome, but they can't be the ones that make the decision for you. It's your personal decision. I want to encourage you to make a decision for Jesus. Many times uh, we, we want to be kind of like uh, on the main stage, on the global world stage, uh, and be neutral like a Switzerland. You know, I don't really want to be for this, and I don't really want to be against this. Let me just be kind of in the middle. We can't be neutral when it comes to Christ. We choose to serve and follow Him or not to. We need to make a decision for Christ. I encourage you. Choose Jesus over anything, over everything, over everyone in your life. Yes, we're going to have a lot of voices in our ears. Yes, people and, and culture is going to nudge us a lot of different directions. But choose Jesus. Make the decision 